0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Currency Exchange, a NatWest podcast series focused all around currency markets. I'm Brian Dangerfield. I'm the co-head of G10 FX Strategy here at NatWest, and I'll be your host today. Uh, And I'm happy to be joined uh, for today's podcast by Alvaro Vivanco, who is the head of our Emerging Markets FX Strategy team. Alvaro, thanks for joining.
1: Yeah, glad to be here.
0: Well, welcome back, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed a, uh, a nice holiday season. We are now into 2024. Uh, you know, we hope that you've taken some time on vacation, and we as well have taken a little bit of time off here on the Currency Exchange Podcast. So we're back after a few weeks uh, of holiday break, and quite a bit has happened in December uh, in terms of market moves. And so I think today is a really good opportunity to run through some of those moves, some of the big developments on the dollar side that we saw in December, and how we're thinking January could look in some ways similar, in some ways maybe a little bit different. So Alvaro, I was thinking maybe I'll start on the dollar, talk a little bit about. Uh, some of those moves, and then we can touch a little bit more on emerging markets. So starting with the dollar, December was a month where the dollar uh, came under some downside pressure, some pretty consistent downside pressure um, over the month. And that was really a continuation uh, of trends into the middle and into late November. And so we saw pretty consistent dollar weakness, which was a big divergence from what we saw over a lot of the summer and early autumn when the dollar was rising uh, pretty sharply. And so What are some of the drivers of that move? Why was the dollar weakening? The biggest difference uh, we saw was a change in tone and a change in market pricing for the Federal Reserve. Now, the Federal Reserve had been in a very hawkish stance and the data had really been supporting that all through the summer, this dollar exceptionalism period. Very strong data, very hawkish Fed, the data really pushing the Fed in that hawkish direction and supporting the dollar. What we have seen since then is a real change in the backdrop from the inflation front, even though the growth front has remained pretty solid. I think it's fair to say that over the last couple of months on the activity side, you've seen perhaps some weakening along the edges of the economy, maybe some moderation in, in, in activity data. Not necessarily a big slowdown, but what you have seen is some real signs of progress on the inflation front. If you look at not just the month-on-month indicators on the core PC deflator, for example, the Fed's preferred core inflation measure, but if you also look at short-term aggregates, you three and six-month annualized short-term inflation, the type of inflation short-term indicators the Fed has really closely been watching, we finally started to see some real progress on lower inflation. And that lower inflation has been coming perhaps a bit sooner than the market had been expecting. And just as importantly, really without the big slowdown in growth that I think some had feared might be needed in order to get that inflation slowdown. And so that has allowed the Fed to change the way it's talking about its uh, its, its monetary policy cycle. For the last For the previous couple of months, really, before the November and December meetings, the Fed was very much in the camp of we may need to do more. We need to be cautious about the possibility of needing to hike more. Those better inflation numbers have given the Fed a lot more confidence. They sound a lot more confident that their hiking cycle is well and truly over. That's been the biggest game changer for the dollar, that as the market has internalized the Fed's message that they're probably done hiking at this point, the market has very quickly moved to pricing the next move from the Fed as an interest rate cut. And they've actually moved a lot faster than certainly I expected in this direction. So just for context, now the market is pricing in uh, over a 75% chance of a 25 base point interest rate cut by the Fed at their March 2024 meeting, um, which is, uh, you know, compared to a few months ago when the market was pricing effectively no easing by the Fed, uh, you know, for much of 2024 and so that's a pretty big change and what we saw throughout the months of november december was a big rally in the u.s rates market and global rates and with it the dollar came under some downside pressure i think adding to that downside pressure that we had seen in the dollar was seasonal trends that do tend to be pretty negative for the dollar if you follow the stock market at all you may have heard you know the santa claus rally this idea that december tends to be a pretty strong month for cyclically and growth linked assets And as a result not as good for safe havens traditional safe havens among which the dollar is certainly included if you look back at the last 20 years or so the dollar does seasonally tend to have its worst month of the year in december it happens to also be a liquidity a low liquidity environment as well and so when a big trending move is taking place and there's relatively low liquidity there may just not be the momentum and the market depth in order to really lean against that move and so When we saw the market trending in this sort of more bullish rate direction, with it taking some of that rate pressure off the dollar, weakening the dollar, uh, I think the liquidity, the relatively low liquidity probably added to that move. So from a seasonal perspective, the dollar does tend to weaken in December, and that really did continue. And I think that sets us up for where we are as we head into 2024. The dollar has actually found a little bit of footing here in a number of cases in these first couple of days of the year. Um, and I think that reflects a number of factors, the most obvious one being the change of the seasonality factors that just as December tends to be a historically very poor month for dollar performance, January tends to be a much better month for dollar performance as we look back historically and I think a part of that is simply the the fact that December tends to be so weak and you do uh, you come off a weak seasonal period that allows for some consolidation in uh, in these moves. I think also a part of it as well is that if liquidity was playing a role in, in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the strength of the move, the fact that there wasn't a lot of liquidity and market depth to necessarily stand in the way of the move. Now that the market is you know fully back from this lower liquidity this holiday period, there's maybe a bit more appetite to maybe if you were uh, in these positions, riding these positions to the end of the year, uh, maybe take some profit or maybe pull back a bit. A third important one is the evolution of the data. And we're heading into a pretty important period for data. Now, as we record on Thursday, uh, January 4th, we're still waiting on that non-farm payroll on Friday that'll be out by the time you listen to this. We are heading into an important period for activity data. And as I mentioned at the outset, you've seen a big improvement in inflation that's allowed for the markets to take a fairly aggressive stance on Fed easing uh, without necessarily a big turn lower in the data um, that may be more consistent with a with a pretty consistent and rapidly occurring uh, Fed interest rates, uh, interest rate cutting cycle. So all of this together leaves us wondering if maybe the dollar move we saw during December had moved a bit too far too fast, um, simply because you know the, the change in the Fed, the, the, the evolution of the Fed tightening cycle being priced in the market, very quickly moved towards an easing cycle. I think that move was probably heightened by the fact that we were in a low liquidity, uh, seasonally weak environment for the dollar. So we wonder as we come into the beginning of January where seasonals tend to be a little bit stronger, whether or not the market has maybe internalized uh, this Fed easing cycle, perhaps a bit too far too fast. I should mention here that our outlook for the year 2024 is certainly in line, it's much closer, and in fact, more dovish than what the market is currently pricing for the Fed. So I don't think this is a move necessarily in the wrong direction. We just wonder if it's maybe extended a bit too far too fast, where the market has moved very, very quickly in this dovish direction as the inflation data have slowed, maybe the growth data haven't gone with it. So that's our backdrop for the dollar at the moment, thinking that this move we have seen certainly came earlier than we expected. We were actually thinking the dollar might be more supported uh, heading into the actual start of the Fed easing cycle uh, later this year. But the dollar has performed, uh, you know, pretty poorly so far. Uh, you know, in December, it's bounced back a little bit. It's consolidated a little bit of that um, that loss, and I think that's appropriate here as we head into a pretty big upcoming couple of days of data. So, Alvaro, I want to bring you in here to talk about emerging markets. How are you feeling about emerging markets in this environment where the dollar had a pretty weak month in December and is showing signs of maybe consolidating and recovering as we start 2024?
1: Yeah, it's been super interesting, right? Because December should have been a great month for emerging markets for all the reasons that you mentioned. The big concern was, you know, that the Fed wasn't done with with the hike that maybe there was going to be a delay into moving toward easing cycle and that has been exactly reverse. So you look at equity performance, especially in the US, had been very, very strong during December. Everything seemed to suggest that global financial conditions are easing. And that should have been very, very positive for, for emerging markets given that they provide, first of all, they're supposed to be cyclical currencies, right? They're supposed to be high beta assets. And second, that the car is still still high. It has decreased a lot over the last few months, but it still provides, obviously, you know, an uptick compared to to the dollar. And what we saw, especially in the second half of December, but even if you take the month as a whole, is that IAN has been a, a huge disappointment. Right. I think that's a fair way of of characterizing it. Um, the, the ones that have actually performed are very idiosyncratic stories, mostly in Asia. But EM as a whole, and especially the high carry cyclical stories that should have been the preferred vehicles to express this more positive external environment, actually, you know, basically not perform or uh, weaker against against the dollar. So I think that, you know, uh, it's something that we have been talking uh, uh, for a few, few months, but I think it's right to kind of reassess what's going on with, with EM, That is not simply a reflection of the dollar. And I think the first thing that this price action is telling us is that a lot of people already are long emerging markets and they have been long for a long time. It was a fantastic trade for periods of time last year, and now they are reassessing that. Uh, so the positioning is it's already there. And second, to, to the point of you know, the Fed is moving towards easing, uh, something that we have been highlighting a lot is that. Emerging market central banks are already ahead of the curve from the Fed, and that a more dovish Fed will fuel those expectations of rate, rate cuts in emerging markets. And that has been backed by the data, right? Inflation in the emerging markets has been very benign. The few prints that we have for December have actually been very, very positive, and we are approaching levels. That are consistent with long-term averages for, for emerging markets at a time with, with policy rates are still very, very high. Right. So if you look at real policy rates, there's still a lot of room for central banks to, to cut, and we think that that's likely to happen over the next few months. So again, that carry differential that's still very positive and some people point as a reason to be long EM yeah, is certainly decreased significantly, and we think that's headed in, in that direction. So that's why you know we continue to be a little bit more cautious more selective in in emerging markets uh you know as as you say especially as we move into a new season
0: yeah i think it's really important as well to just think about none of this is happening in a vacuum right that especially when it comes to the us and the fed that when the fed cycle is turning that's an important barometer point for a lot of global economies right that it's not just the, in, the global environment prevailing when the Fed is easing is probably one that's very conducive to other central banks easing. As you mentioned, Alvaro, a lot of emerging markets. Market central banks are ahead of the Fed in terms of actually starting easing. In our space in G10, you don't really have that. There aren't a lot of, you know, it looks like the Fed is going to be among the first. But if you think about Eurodollar, for example, we actually still think that the ECB may be cutting before the Fed. And so it's not just that US rates have come down, it's the, you know, global rates have really come down in the month of December. They've, rebu- they've rebounded a bit here. But it, I think that's a really important context that none of this is happening in a vacuum, that we have these. Lower rates in the US, this lower inflation in the US, it's taking some of the pressure off the dollar. Uh, but it's all happening together that you're seeing inflation convergence in a number of economies. And so it's not like you're seeing US rates come down while the rest of the world is really accelerating uh, to the top side. And so I think that's important context when we think about changes in rates and how the rate picture and the Fed picture
1: is impacting the dollar. Yeah. And for emerging markets, it's even one step ahead of that, right? Because a few months ago, all central bankers were worried about how sticky U.S. inflation was, right? And maybe the fact that it's, it's going to be here for a long time and all the, the problems that that causes to, to the financial, global financial markets, right? And as a response to that, EM central banks had been very, very cautious in moving to Easing because the history, right? Looking back decades had been that these were exactly the conditions where you know, things really deteriorated, in like a crisis kind of evolution. And they, obviously, they all wanted to avoid that. Now, I think we're in a very different environment, which is more about fine-tuning on exactly when the Fed goes, and now EM can afford afford to go a little bit before that. Nothing, you know, extreme or or reckless, but, you know, inflation is already low. The Fed seems more comfortable because of the data, right? And the fact that, you know, growth in the U.S. is still fairly robust, right? So growth seems to be... Going relatively okay, much better than the expectations were a few months ago, and the Fed has the capacity to to ease, and that I think just creates a very different environment for policymakers uh, globally. The other thing that I would just mention also in terms of of the trade flows and in some cases the bond inflows into emerging markets, the picture is more mixed. We have seen some places that uh, trade balances, for instance, have improved, which is is positive. So it's not to say that we are overly negative and you know just short em across the board but again i think more and more it will be about the pacing of central bank moves and carry and just risk sentiment um, as we move into the next few few weeks something that i wanted to 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 ask you brian before we close is is about japan obviously you know big moves over the last couple of sessions we had very specific events driving i was hoping that you can comment on that
0: yeah absolutely so um just to put the the moves in uh in the yen in context in december among g10 currency spot performance uh yen was actually the second best performer in the g10 behind only uh behind only the norwegian currency in terms of uh, spot outperformance and over the first couple of days of january the yen has come under meaningful downside pressure it's given up almost half of those gains that it saw in december and has been clearly the underperformer, and I think part of this is just the evolution of global rates. You know, as we've been talking about a lot in our in our year-ahead edition and in the podcast leading into the end of the year, uh, the biggest I think the biggest single driver of the yen is the global policy cycle, the changing of the guard in the global policy cycle, and how lower rates globally less pressure on the Fed, less pressure on global central banks to be hiking policy, and instead shifting towards easing. For an economy like Japan, where rates are at zero uh, and are potentially going to be risen at some point, that changing of the global uh, interest rate cycle is the most important factor. And as interest rates were falling in December, the yen was strengthening in tandem. And now that they've bounced back a little bit, there's been some consolidation, some of those too far, too fast kind of fears. The yen has come under um, additional pressure on the back of that. And I think that's appropriate. Another factor to consider, as you mentioned, is the recent earthquake in Japan and uh, um, and the market interpretation of how that might impact the Bank of Japan. Now, certainly, you know, our thoughts are with the people of Japan at at a difficult time. uh, But from a market perspective, we're thinking about how the market is internalizing um, this event as an impact on the relative rates that we know is very important for the yen. I think the market's snap interpretation is that the Bank of Japan may be slightly less likely to... um, Exit negative interest rates at its upcoming meeting in late January. Um, the Bank of Japan has been slowly but surely sort of moving away from its extreme, uh, its, its extremely dovish policies via um, changes to its yield curve control uh, framework over the last uh, over the last several months. And I think markets are expecting uh, sometime over the next several months for the Bank of Japan to actually begin hiking the interest rates, uh, moving it out the, the the front end interest rate, I should say, moving it out of negative territory. I don't think Japan, excuse me, January was the month that was the base case in the market. I think most are expecting that a move in March or April closer to the timing of important Shuto wage rounds in Japan is the more likely timing. But speculation about whether the January meeting, the Bank of Japan could surprise, you know, the Bank of Japan has surprised us uh, on multiple occasions on yield curve control during points in 2023. So that speculation, I think, has been in the market that maybe they do just make a move at the January meeting, so I think the way the market has been thinking about the earthquake and its impact from a growth perspective is perhaps that this is a um, this is an opportunity for the Bank of Japan to keep a more cautious uh, um, a more cautious uh, stance, and so I think that's probably been a bit additive here in terms of why the yen has weakened as much as it has. You know, I think the biggest factor has simply been. Uh, The global rates picture, the global rates backdrop, the bit you know, the sort of we've had a big repricing lower in rates through the end of December, which really helped the yen. Now you've backed up a little bit, uh, and that's seen the yen weakening. And then I think the the specific issue there. Uh, with the uh, with the earthquake has probably been an additive factor. It's why we've seen some yen underperformance to start 2024. So with that, uh, I think we're out of time for today. Alvaro, thank you for joining us. And I want to thank you all for joining us and wish you all a happy new year. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider liking and following our channel so that you can get our latest podcasts when they're released. Thank you very much.